So I have bad news. It looks like Smokey is dead. 7.26 p.m. on Sunday. Oh, let's have a moment of silence. This is Control Structure, episode 68, for August 25th, 2014. Uh, thank you to everyone who's listening. Uh, before we get started, this show does have show notes, if you're not looking at them already. Uh, visit thenexus.tv slash cs68 to see them. I am your host, Andrew Bailey, and this is my other host, Steven. Hi, Steve. Hi, Andrew. So, uh, big week? Well, it looks like it will be a big week. Turns out they want to hot fix a project that we were, haven't coded yet, back a couple silos, and so they need it put in quickly. The dangerous stuff put in quickly. But, silos. Uh, Are we talking about nuclear missiles or something? I don't think he worked with those. Other branches of code. It would be fun to work with nuclear, nuclear mis- missiles. I should do that. That would be exciting. I, I was almost going to uh, pause for garbage collection, then I realized it was just a motorcycle. <laughs> Password. So, yeah, uh, Smokey, uh, what was that all about? Okay, so Smokey, I guess we should put it at the top of the show now. Smokey was the name. There it is, the link's in. Smokey was the name of the web application, the Ruby on Rails web, web, Ruby on Rails web application that was the place my Raspberry Pi was pushing data up into. And I just looked at the log, and it was doing this every minute. And I started it on, let's see, Saturday at morning about eight twenty-one. Yeah, yeah. And if you go to the bottom of the log, it was about seven thirty. Yes, seven twenty-six on Sunday was the last entry. So and that it, leads me. To- it it didn't even get hot either. I mean, it started out, I mean, looks like I'm seeing a hun- 106 degrees here for a while, but it doesn't look like it got any hotter. Yeah, I, I mean, this is summertime, so we don't just mainly just burn garbage in the summertime for hot water, for washing hands, and for baths and stuff, so we don't need a lot of heat. Uh, so this but, this was uh, part of your temperature sensor project? Yes, I, I think I may have talked about it some yeah. at one point in time. So yeah, th- this was the actual first phase that I never got around to, but I finally did get around to doing. So, so my, hmm. um, my only other thought is if Ruku uh, blew up on the space, I, I would think it would have a decent-sized database, but... Hmm. Um, interesting. Anyways, so yeah, I'll have to find out why Smokey is dead. Maybe he just dropped the Wi-Fi connection <laughs> and needs to reconnect. I yeah. tried putting a, a metal bucket over him the other day, and that did not work good at all. Oh, uh, so, why, why not? I'm guessing it was the Wi-Fi? blocking too much. Yeah, the, I'm guessing it was blocking too much of the signal. Because the house is actually a good 40 yards away, maybe. Or at least the router would be. Hmm. 30 or 40, I don't know. I'm bad at estimates. Anyways, so I may have to run a, an actual cable out there and put a new hole in the bucket with more, more uh, silicon to keep it watertight. So, so uh, speaking about Raspberry Pis, uh, it was last weekend, uh, because we're recording this on a Monday, I think this might actually be a first for the podcast, um, 
so it was like uh, be a week ago, like over that weekend, I uh, fired up my Raspberry Pi for the first time in a couple months um, because I had ordered some crappy speakers for my uh, for my you know Pentium Two computer, which hasn't been turned on for almost a comparable amount of time. Uh, it's they're actually like USB powered, so like my Pi is USB powered as well, but. It's you know it actually has a analog uh, cord to it as well, so it's not like a sound card or anything. It's just speakers with okay. The the powered with USB and then they plug yes in. yeah instead of like plugging it into a wall socket, it's USB yeah. Um and uh, you know I uh, got a fifty foot uh, Ethernet cable that I had stored at my parents' place and uh, ran it from like the opposite side of my bedroom to my router. And uh, was playing some music in there. And I think it might have been because of the program I was running uh, to play music from the terminal uh, was like buggy as all get out. So like pretty much if I did anything except change the volume, it was okay, Um, which I thought was kind of weird. But uh, yeah, Uh, let's see. Then uh, and then it was uh, Sunday that uh, you ever heard of that ice bucket challenge? Yes, I have heard of it before. So, and uh, let's see, one of our missionaries at church, uh, uh, one of the uh, wives of uh, one of the missionaries that we support uh, has ALS. So, like, Pastor thought it would be a nice idea to, like, give her a love offering and do this ice bucket challenge thing. So that's what we did on Sunday. And uh, it was uh, pretty interesting in that, you know, I'm thinking there's probably, uh, it was set up. Uh, like there would be a bunch of chairs, the men would be sitting, and the ladies would be standing behind them, dumping the water on them, uh, which generally worked, except that there were, uh, far as I know, there was one few ladies, uh, uh, like uh, one of them actually had to dump twice, uh, because there weren't enough ladies to dump the guys. So I wrote a blog post here saying that, yeah, I was dumped by a woman today. <laughs> I just watched the video. I didn't read the the, the post. That that's 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 pretty nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. So, uh, also of note, I really haven't been posting to my blog much in the past two or three months. And I posted like uh, once. Uh, let's see, I posted on Sunday, obviously, and Saturday, which is like a miracle. So let's let's see if I can get back into the groove of once a week. Well, you do have a lot of entries. My freaky dream, part one, part two. Sounds oh, not a dream of yours. Uh. Yeah, it's <laughs> it it was pretty great, uh, to say the least. Sounds worth a read. So and uh, now a word from our sponsor, Origin Jumpworks. The next generation is now. Find your local dealer at robertsspaceindustries.com. If someone were to ask you, what is speed? What would you tell them? Is it simply a measure of distance covered over time? The magnitude of velocity? Or is it something more? At origin, speed is more than a number. It's a state of being. Speed is a shock to the soul. 
speed is a call to action. Speed is... Introducing... The 2943 300i. From Origin Jumpworks. remember how true crypt was like suddenly shut down i do they just posted this odd web page saying it's not secure anymore then they released a version that did read only access on hard drives and they deleted all the older versions that could encrypt hard drives and so that meant that the only versions out there to do to do encryption were uh from code that people had saved off the website previously so this uh, has a certain problem to it in that there are a lot of organizations that, uh, like actually use TrueCrypt in like their actual business practices. Uh, for instance, that last job I was at when they got acquired, uh, like one of the, uh, rules was to, uh, use TrueCrypt to encrypt every computer. So that's a problem when TrueCrypt is like dead. Yes. Uh, so apparently, uh, a few people have forked TrueCrypt and made Cipher, se- Cipher Shed, uh, which is a little bit of a mouthful. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty much in, uh, like a continuation of TrueCrypt. Uh, the, you know, the thing of it was is that, uh, TrueCrypt was going through some sort of a security audit, uh, but like the results of which were not revealed. And I think even now it's still not. So, and there wasn't even any rumor that it was, like, totally failed that. So it's really strange. It just suddenly dropped off the radar. So, uh, do you use any encryption in your, uh, on your drives? Typically, I just encrypt my password file. I use KeePass. And then, for the most part of what I have, Google has anyways. So, I'm not sure if encrypting it is going to help. Um... I have a few external hard drives that I keep off-site, and I definitely encrypt those. So, And the password to that is very long, like 30 characters or so. So, yeah. Um, I guess but, the main things I will care about are my passwords, so it's like that's what's encrypted. Exactly. So, uh, hey, talking about external media, uh, how about those CDs? And, uh, you know, those, those have been kept off-site since, well, pretty much their inception. Uh, but how long do they last? Like, how long can you still retrieve the data off of them? Well, it turns out that's kind of a tough question because, you know, people keep on asking, you know, is there any average length of time that, you know, you can recover data off of them? Well, it turns out there is no average because there is no average disk uh, because, you know, there's so many variables that go into them, uh, like uh, materials and manufacturing, where they were manufactured, uh, when... And like all sorts of other, uh, variables. Um, so the, uh, Library of Congress is, is like kind of in a pickle 
uh, because of this. Um, so, yeah, the thing about CDs is, you know, they're not uniform, blah, blah, blah. Uh, there's a phenomenon called bronzing, particular only to discs that were manufactured at a particular plant in Blackburn, Lancashire, England, uh, between 1988 and 1993. And apparently these discs are borderline, like, unreadable, or at least parts of them. Um... So the problem was in the 90s, you know, everyone's like, hey, everything's digital now or going digital. So like everything's so much better. So they put everything on CDs, uh, which are now starting to decay. I, I remember way back when that everyone thought that the CDs were going to be super stable because they were looking at the floppy disks and going, well, these floppy disks, you know, demagnetize over time and hurt them and. So everyone was worried about the floppies, but the, everyone perceived the CD drives as being a very stable medium to store data in. So, as of right now, I think everyone's discovered that, you know, to keep digital, you know, information, you know, recoverable, it has to be living. It has to be, like, constantly transferred. Well, maybe not constantly, but regularly transferred and, uh, you know, to different uh, media. Uh, so, for instance, uh, the uh, the preservationists at the Library of Congress are moving everything into servers instead. Uh, so, hopefully, you know, there's some redundancy with that as well. Yeah, I, I think that's at this point the way to go because that's kind of what you see with big businesses now. That's the model that everyone has. So you have the monster hard drives, and you have a bunch of different monster hard drives, and you have some offsite backups too. And between uh, you have some. Of course, the ironic thing is, is that the material that you need to reference for research and stuff, that's the kind of hard things to preserve, whereas the really easy things to preserve and to get are copyrighted materials like popular culture, because that's pirated. That's on, <laughs> that's on Pirate Bay. <laughs> we don't have to save that stuff. It's already saved. Yes. <laughs> you know, stuff that a lot of people care for. So, yeah. But, uh, you know, other things that are decaying are stuff like Windows XP. You know, we've already said goodbye to that. Uh, there will not be a sound because it's dead. It's, you know, dead things tend not to make noise. Um, well, can I interject a joke? Sure. Okay, so this guy was in a graveyard where... Beethoven had recently been buried, and he was walked by his grave, and he heard a sound, but it sounded like music, but it was not right. It was garbled, kind of like it was being played backwards. And uh, the groundskeeper was there, and he's like, what's that? And the groundskeeper was like, oh, Beethoven's decomposing. <laughs> nice. Anyways, other than Beethoven, dead things don't make sense, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that Beethoven would have finished decomposing by now. Probably. <laughs> um, so there's uh, a lot of things that uh, can come from an operating system upgrade. And uh, there's like several stories of, you know, like actually upgrading everything at one time uh, from, you know, like Windows XP and like Pentium 4 based computers to like, you know, modern machines with Windows 7. Uh, this one particular story comes uh, out of England. Uh, uh, the company replacing, you know, like uh, 26,000 uh, devices, both desktops and laptops. Uh, so, you know, what they 
what the uh, company did was they went through like everything that the uh, machines were used for. Uh, you know, they cataloged some 800 applications uh, running on the machines. Uh, you know, there was a lot of activity to see which ones will work and which ones didn't. Uh, because, you know, the uh, major thing with, uh, you know, the next system after XP, you know, Vista, you know, that introduced user account control. And there was a lot of restrictions uh, added on, like, where you, where programs could write on the disk. Uh, because, you know, back in XP, you could just write anywhere on the disk. Um, and uh, so, like, they went through and cataloged everything, and it seemed like 10% of the applications would not run on 7. Uh, so, you know, they went through and, you know, redid those. And apparently they cleaned out a lot of, you know, the you know older applications and, you know, combined them, whatever. Uh, so apparently they came up with, you know, four points that... Uh, 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 like four good things that came out of this aside from, you know, having better security and whatnot. Uh, happier staff because, you know, they're using new things. So people tend to like using new things. Uh, a chance to uh, jettison old redundant applications. Uh, they had a much better idea of what is sitting on the computers and what is being used. And they updated and they have more robust recovery and backup plans. And that's true. Probably mentioned like there's 800 different programs they were using. Probably a lot of them weren't ones that were necessary, or maybe there was a better alternative out there to that program. So, and I think somewhere it mentioned here that uh, you know, like a lot of applications being written today don't even need an operating system because they're web apps. Mm-hmm. That is true too. So, uh, ZipLocate is a service that takes latitude and longitude coordinates within the United States and gives you a zip code. Uh, you can even host it yourself. So, at first I thought, it was like, oh yeah, this is like a geocoding service. Uh, but it only takes a latitude and longitude. You have to know those in order to get a zip code. Uh, so it, you know, sort of uses boundaries from, uh, believe it's like the Census Bureau. Ah. Um, like there's, you know, you can use the, uh, public, uh, you know, server for this, or you could, uh, download the data and the code and host it yourself. So, so it's very interesting data. I was trying to think of a, a application of use. Interesting. I typed in, I typed in my, uh, hometown zip code and it hits the town, the main part of the town, but it, I don't know what part it aims for it misses the post office but that's what it was aiming for but it's close so um yeah i'm i'm thinking this might be a little useful for you know maybe something that i would be doing at work uh you know with you know e-commerce and shipping things uh, to places yeah I, the only one i've come up with so far is a terrorist could use it to make easier day missiles that's the only one i could come up with <laughs> <laughs> like, we don't have to know the longitude and latitude just type in the zip code and press enter it's so easy to use <laughs> so uh speaking of terrorists um a lot of gaming services went down over the weekend uh services like xbox live playstation network and battle.net uh, there was even a flight diverted due to a bomb threat uh, that uh, apparently this uh, this plane had the uh, like some Sony vice president on it. 
apparently the Islamic State that's causing a lot of uh, uh, disruption over in Iraq is uh, involved with this. So um, it's a very weird thing for them to be targeting. I mean, you know, they're like, oh, well, while the bombs are still falling, no video games for you. Um, They're like two different, completely different uh, things. And, you know, even if you take down these, you know, online services, you can still play other games. Yeah, I I think it was a a vowed statement that they were trying to make because uh, a lot of people play games. And so it was trying to get an attention of people who may not watch the news, perhaps is what they're going for. So, well, I don't watch TV. I found out about this and I was not affected in the least. (laughs) So, uh, hey, speaking about gaming services, uh, is Twitch worth an Instagram? Uh, well, apparently Amazon thinks so, because they just bought Twitch after talks with Google died. Apparently the Google ac- acquisition division is still in beta, and apparently they were shut down, maybe? <laughs> I, like everything else. I, I just wanted to make a cheap joke at Google's expense there. Uh, but uh, yeah, Twitch uh, Twitch TV is a uh, an online service that basically allows people to stream footage of their video games. Uh, so this is like sort of like a callback to like the 80s and 90s where everyone had to sit around a TV and, you know, like share a controller, you know, like one or two at a time or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess like with that model, they become like really popular. Just, you know, like someone's playing a game, you know, you can watch it if you want to. Yeah, I, I see it as a my brother uses it some like watching players that he knows uh, for World of Tanks. And it seems to be a good community thing. And like, uh, sometimes there's battles with the clan that not everyone can get in or something. And so if someone streams it, the other ones that aren't in can see it. So it's, it, it it's a definitely a, a people connecting service like Facebook or, or, uh, I'm trying to think of other ones. But anyways, Twitter. yeah, Twitter. There you go. Twitter. Email. <laughs> well, email. I mean, yeah, it's kind of a social thing, but it's more of a, a core BBS need. news groups. Yeah, news groups, there you go. <laughs> but uh, I, I think Twitch is big, and I think it's going to get bigger. So this uh, is sort of an odd direction for uh, Amazon to be going in. It is, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, granted, they do have, you know, tablets, you know, like the Kindle Fire tablets. And apparently they do host, like, a, you know, moderate gaming ecosystem on there. Uh, so it's, but, uh, you know, like, people aren't exactly streaming, like, Clash of Clans or Farmville-type games on Twitch. They're, you know, like, very hardcore FPSs and strategy games, and especially, uh, Dota and, uh, LOL, uh, League of Legends. It's, it's, it's it's another thing there. It's like, yeah, how would you name a game that comes out to LOL? So, hey, uh, speaking about acquisitions, uh, once upon a time, Oculus was bought by Facebook for two Instagrams, or $2 billion. Uh, so Marcus Persson, uh, that's better known as Notch, he's the guy that made Minecraft. Uh, he was a little bit creeped out over this, and he's like, yeah, uh, Minecraft for the Oculus Rift is not going to happen. Uh, which, uh, the Oculus Rift is uh, a... Uh, virtual reality headset that uh, you know is still under development that everyone's really excited about. 
Uh, but it seems like uh, Notch is all over that now, so Minecrack might be coming to the rift. So you seem to be a, uh, a rather avid uh, Minecraft fan. Yeah, I, I play it from time to time. I, I, I think it would be interesting. I, I One of my friends the other day was telling me about how uh, these things, like, it's, uh, it's, you describe it as like a round bowl thing you stand in, and then you have like the glasses on, and you have have like things down on your arms. You have your arm movements. You seem like you know you're in Minecraft. You're running around inside this bowl, standing in place, running, and then you walk over the tree, and you're you're chopping away with your hand on the on the tree. It seems like it could be interesting to play that way. Yeah, I've I've heard of those. Uh, I think they're omnidirectional treadmills. I think that's what it was called. Yeah. And I, I remember people trying to uh, connect that up with uh, the Outer Scrolls Skyrim. Because that's like another open world, huge thing. Ah. One good thing about a system like that is suddenly gamers would cease to be the couch potatoes and, and suddenly become these athletic, highly, highly trained runners. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a lot better than the other alternatives. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, personally, I'm not really that excited about uh, like virtual reality uh, because mostly I've already invested in a three-monitor setup. Uh, and also, it's like not really available to the public. Uh, like Pretty much all that there are are just dev kits uh, right now. Uh, but the unfortunate thing is, is that they have been, you know, pushed out to all these, uh, uh, development, you know, people and like all the news, you know, like all the press and journalists have like had a chance to, you know, experience these things and like, they're all like fawning over them. But the weird thing is like everyone else's too, but like, you know, the everyday person has not exactly experienced this. So I'm a little bit annoyed at, like, all the fanboyism surrounding, uh, you know, the Oculus right now. So, uh, but yeah, I guess we'll one, s- see it when it launches. One factor I've heard, though, about the virtual re- reality stuff is lots of times it'll make people sick and stuff. Yeah. So it may not actually catch on that great, just like 3D TVs and stuff. They've had issues with that, I've heard, and, and so that's a challenge if... Why are you going to spend $3,000 on a TV that just makes you sick? Yeah, apparently they figured out that the reason it makes you sick is the lag. Um, lag. Uh, yeah, like the lag between like actually like uh, like moving like moving your mouse and actually seeing it. Ah. Or like okay. uh, they've uh, like actually had like face tracking. Uh, so like instead of going like jump 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 jump. Oh, because it's happening just a second after you turn your head. Well, not that, not but, that yeah, uh, no disconnected, less. but you know, something no like second. yeah. Um, so uh, apparently, uh, John Carmack uh, like looked into virtual reality like three years ago, I think now, and like he's like actually there with uh, Oculus now. Uh, but uh, you know, he was you know looking around at virtual reality, and uh, you know, he was just appalled that it took you know 50 milliseconds or so to update you know uh, pixels on this uh on you know virtual reality headset and this is like the high-end stuff and he's like you know why does it take 50 milliseconds for you know pixels to get from my computer to a screen in front of my eyes 
Uh, like, I could send a packet to Europe and back in 50 milliseconds. <laughs> Why does it take information, you know, like, that long to travel, like, six feet? <laughs> so, uh, uh, like, he eventually had to, uh, like, contact the manufacturer and say, hey, could you, like, send me your firmware code? And, like, apparently he did because he's frickin' John Carmack. Uh, he's, like, pretty much the only celebrity programmer, you know, he's, like, pretty much the only one I know of who can actually have that title. Um, so, like, they send the code over to him, and he's like, yeah, I'll just, you know, borrow some of my code that I use to launch rockets. <laughs> because, like, he, uh, actually was, had a, like, a aerospace, uh, company at the time. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, the story behind, uh, Carmack and the Rift is, uh, pretty, pretty interesting. So, uh, like, and then it was, like, not too long after that, uh, like, apparently, uh, Oculus, back before they did all this funding, uh, uh, you know, Carmack, you know, asked, hey, uh, can you send me something, like, a prototype that you have? So, apparently, the guy sent, uh, Carmack the only prototype they had, and, uh, uh like, later he showed up, I think it might have been an E3, or, like, some trade show. And he has this, like, duct-taped-together hacky thing. And everyone's like, yeah, this is, like, the best thing of the show. Like, never mind this, you know, pretty game over here with, like, brilliant graphics. No, this thing made out of duct tape. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if uh, you want a good story, that's uh, a good thing. That's uh, a good read. Uh, so, hey, uh, speaking about images, you know, if uh, you took all of the pictures on the internet, or at least, like, a couple thousand, and you, uh, you know, averaged them all together, uh, apparently they all tend to go towards orange, and this, uh, the phenomenon, or at least the color, is called emergent orange. So, uh, someone noticed this, you know, back about ten years ago on uh, Flickr. You know, he would just, you know, go around, uh, he wrote a program to, you know, fetch images and average them all together. And he found out that, uh, you know, pretty much no matter what he looked at, it would always go towards orange. You know, he excluded, you know, uh, groups of pictures, like, targeted towards, say, blue. Uh, I guess that might have, like, disrupted the, uh, the color balance a little bit. Well, I, th I think what he was saying was that, uh, Groups that went towards any certain color would upset the balance. Since he's doing an average, if you exactly all the green pictures, it messes that average up. Although I suppose that you know having a green picture in there every once in a while would be okay. Yeah, the point is if if it's a group focused on only taking green pictures, that's when it messes up an average. So, uh, like he went around to all like all these pictures and kept on averaging them, and it always came out to orange. Uh, no matter what. So, you know, he's trying to figure out why does it do this? And uh, so, like, a friend of his pointed this out that maybe it's because of, you know, like, skin tones. You know, like, they, you know, on, like, on an image, like, they might actually, you know, go towards orange. Uh, but he tried it with, you know, folk photos of graffiti, and it, too, tended towards orange. And he's, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what's going on here? You know, maybe it's just the, uh, like, the composites of, like, all the materials found around, like, on Earth or whatever. Uh, you know, like, you know, chemistry, basically. 
Uh, so, you know, he decided, you know, you know, generate some like random images, like, uh, like abstract images of like circles and squares and stuff with random colors. And it's like, he's like, okay, this should not average towards orange, but it did always towards orange. Or did he think it should average to probably anything, but <laughs> that's not a valid test case. So, like, I'm wondering, like, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that they included, like, game uh, screenshots with this. Um, You know, like, you know, games, they tend to, you know, sort of uh, reproduce, uh, like, natural environments. So I'd imagine that they, too, would tend towards orange. Uh, So, you know, he's, he, you know, starts to investigate this a little bit. You ask five different people what causes it, you get five different answers. Um, a photographer would say it would be something with the cameras, like the white balance would be off or something, which would be my first guess. You know, like a lot of pictures out there are made with really cheap cameras. Yeah. Uh, a physicist would say that it's all about the light. A psychologist might mention something on human perception. You know, maybe they're all right, uh, but they seem to be delighted in the case of uh, the phenomenon of emergent orange itself. Yeah, even if you can't crack the case, the pursuit affords me the opportunity to produce new artworks in this beautiful medium. So it, it's it's a case that hasn't been solved yet and might never be solved. It's like one of those interesting, open-ended, you know, impossible to answer questions right now, it seems. Why is the sky blue and the grass green and well, orange in between? <laughs> Well, actually, there are reasons for the sky being blue and the grass being green. Those questions were solved hundreds of years ago. talk about chris chris ah oh, that's a good subject so um remember how we were teaching him computer science yes and as a side note for you listeners this is uh the chris who has not been on the podcast uh you can see him running away like a cold wet chicken in the uh ice bucket challenge um so uh next time you know we meet on thursday uh by the way are you coming thursday Yes, I am coming on Thursday, I and think I did hear from Chris at Subway. Yes. Correct? Okay. So, I'm uh, sitting around, and, uh, you know, he's going... I mentioned to him the concept of a stack, and I think he understands that pretty well. Okay. You know, about how you push things on, you pop things off. And I, you know, made an analogy to, you know, say how he gets to work, you know, every day. And uh, so you have this stack of directions and you're at Panera and you want to go home. So you look at the top uh, thing on the stack and it says, you know, Panera parking lot. Okay. And then you pop that off and the next one says, you know, like go down like Washington Pike or something. And then you pop that off, and then you know, on and on and on and so forth until it you know gets back home into his driveway. So I think he understands that pretty well. So then uh, he navigated back towards uh, hash tables, <laughs> which apparently he didn't really get at the time. 
but I many, that feeling. but uh, I think we were talking about like hash algorithms or something. So uh, you know, he's like, okay, so you have this array, but how does it know like which you know position to put it in? And I'm like, that's what the hash function tells you. And then he's like, aha! <laughs> and then Finally. like he, then he just like sort of like uh, paces around the front of the church for a little bit. <laughs> And uh, I'm like, yes, I get it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so how does that make you feel, Chris? It makes <laughs> me feel angry. And I'm like, what? An hour and 15 minutes. Steven talked to me for an hour and 15 minutes. I didn't understand hash tables, but now I do. I am so <laughs> angry at him. <laughs> and yet he still invited me to Subway. <laughs> so... Just a little word of warning. He might be a little bit irked <laughs> next time you see him. So, so we should probably bring up Stacks early in the conversation and about how well he understands Stacks now. So he just glosses over the hash table thing. You, you might want to bring a stack of cushions. <laughs> <laughs> stack of although, cushions. Although, you know, to be honest, he is tall, but he's not that big. So you might be able to fend him off. Maybe. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. Good thing he knows what hash tables are and how they work. Yes, he finally figured it out. He didn't ask me, you know, like, what would happen if, like, there's, like, too many things in the hash table yet. But we'll leave that for, you know, this Thursday. Yes. Um, so, and then I also, you know, mentioned, you know, along with the stack, a queue. Um, you know, like, kind of like the same thing, except, you know, instead of first in, last out, first in, first out. Um, and, you know, I've, you know, just, you know, over the course of programming, I noticed that there are a lot more stacks in life than there are queues. You know, aside from the obvious, you know, like, you know, a checkout line. That's pretty much the only, uh, you know, example of a queue. Whereas, you know, stacks are quite obvious, Whenever you say you want to go back to something, well, that's probably a stack. Yes. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, interesting uh, talking about that. And then we uh, implemented the, uh, the you know, s- since the uh, root of money uh, is, or rather the, uh, 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 how should I say, money, the love of money is the root of all evil, and then use that to say that women are evil. Uh, like, we implemented that in Python. That was pretty sweet. <laughs> um, let's see, then I explained to him the concept of an exclusive or again. Oh, uh, yes, I remember, remember that concept. Talking oh, yeah, it. that's how we got on the hash, I think, uh, the hashing algorithms. I forget, unless we took it as a, a thing from uh, the arrays. We may, may have gotten on, on it from that. So... Um, yeah, I think, uh, we're making some great progress with that, so, uh, let's see, uh, let's, uh, go on for a while and say, hey, we got some podcast feedback, uh, from Ryan, uh, so he chimes in again, and he says, rooster in the background, how is this possible? So, uh, unfortunately, the rooster was only featured in the fringe, so, uh, which unfortunately there probably won't be a fringe for this episode. Um, I sort of like want to break the cycle on the fringes because it seems like every fifth fringe, like it's us. So like if it ends in zero or five, 
you know, that's sort of the problem we got into with uh, Fringe 200. So, like, for a while there, it was, like, such a pattern that, like, you know, we would be Fringe 200, then 205, 210, and so forth. So, so you don't like being the, the fifth one? I like some variety in life. Let ah. someone else do the anniversary episodes. I see. <laughs> uh, Ryan says, in the future, you will have a smart toaster on your network, so it's good that Microsoft kept the icon. <laughs> Which is probably true. <laughs> Raspberry Pi. Indeed. So Ryan says that he was going to cover the Internet Explorer story on uh, at the Nexus, but Matt agreed to delete it. Uh, the uh, news about they're going to be dropping support for older versions of IE. All right. <laughs> so SPPS, uh, my school district, so I think that'd be St. Paul Public Schools, uh, will continue to use XP and ancient versions of Insanity. According to Matt, the post office slash USPS uses Windows 2000, although I believe it's XP with the 2000 skin. I think IE6 is probably safe now. All the advanced exploits are so advanced that you'll get infinite JS errors before anything bad can happen. And to which I say, nope, it's going to be insecure for another 10 years at least. China says hi. Yes, I, I did see that. I was on one of the sites tonight and it said China bans Windows 8. And so yeah, they they're their choices. Yeah, they're uh, trying to build alternative operating systems. Uh, like to uh, Windows and Android in particular. You think they don't trust us? <laughs> yeah. Um. And apparently they're you know they've caught up to the American government about twenty years ago, and they're actually starting to investigate Microsoft for antitrust. So, uh, like uh, you know, I guess it's you know China's fault that they all pirated the same copy of Windows XP, and like now that Windows you know now that that's not even being supported anymore. That might be a little bit of a monopoly abuse power or something. But, I mean, at that point, it's their fault. So, um, but, uh, you know, judging by the quality, some of the quality of stuff coming out of China, uh, it would be amazing if they don't crash and burn. Um, so Ryan adds, when my family slash house transitioned to AOL uh, dial-up to DSL via Quest, I used AOL, of course, because I was a kid and didn't, didn't know any better. Eventually, though, I discovered this alternative IE-based browser called Avant. It had tabs, and it was good like Firefox, um, except for the fact that it was still kind of Internet Explorer. So uh, Ryan says, Fios is good? Unheard of. It's like, well, YouTube kind of works now. Sometimes Twitch TV, too. Uh, or at least that's what I sent him. Uh, of course, I wrote that before I decided to watch all of the episodes of 10 for the Chairman. Uh, that's the Star Citizen question and answer, during which YouTube failed me countless times. And uh, Ryan says, your computer died for you today. Be thankful. Amen. <laughs> So if you would like to submit some feedback, uh, don't forget to use the uh, contact link on the uh, the show notes. And don't forget that today is International Backup Awareness Day, so backup of all your stuff. And uh, I'll also use encryption. So uh, anything you're going to be up to? Uh... Well, it, I had my brother cycle uh, Smokey, and so s the Pi itself is actually online running again because I'm looking through the logs on the Heroku app. Nice. I'm seeing logs of it 
posting to the web server. The issue is when I go to the web server website now, there's a big page that says, we're sorry, but something went wrong. <laughs> so I have to find out why suddenly posting data to the website made the website die. Uh-oh. Maybe it did run out of uh, space. It could be. I mean, it was just a free Heroku host. So, I mean, maybe it really isn't that big of it. I would have figured the database would be decent size, though. I mean, it's just maybe an entry every minute, which is a <laughs> lot. But it's just one. Wait, so it would be a, a numerical decimal field and two date time fields. I wouldn't think that would be Two date time fields? Yes, because uh, Reals by default creates on all tables an add timestamp and a cr- update timestamp. Ah. And so that that field that was showing on the web page there for the add time, I didn't actually tell Reals to create that. All I did was expose it on the view. So it was an automatic deal. Cool. So let's see. It looks like I might actually be getting back into this blogging thing. So And hopefully next week I'll uh, have my car in the shop to be painted. So I might not see you after a while. Um, so, and Wait, then, when you have your car in the, the shop? Uh, hopefully next week. I need to still. Uh-huh. I still need to call the place to like actually set things up. Uh, but you know, I guess we'll play it by ear. Um, uh, let's see. I see. I have a few games that I've played through a little bit, but I haven't finished. So I want to like finish those up. So maybe create some blog posts out of those. Um, and then, yeah, uh, figure out what's up with my Raspberry Pi. I guess don't change the volume on it while the music is playing. And then, uh, you know, have something to listen to while I go through my closet, uh, clean out stuff there. And, uh, well, that seems to be it. Uh, have anything else? Um, pretty much just work this week out. Gotta convince my, uh team lead at work that unit tests should test private public functions and not so much private functions <laughs> so i'm expecting interesting conversations tomorrow it's challenging because he doesn't really write unit tests so he kind of wants he wants me to write the code different and i re- already have unit tests written and things coded and now suddenly he's like i think we should do it the other way and i'm like i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we're gonna have to talk that one out that's gonna be an interesting conversation um that and the big project that has to be in quickly. So I think I'll be busy at work. Then I'm busy, pretty busy this week. I actually have something every night of this week going on, except for maybe Friday, perhaps. So. So and uh, uh, see, at work it seems like we're going to be hiring someone new uh, pretty soon. So uh, I guess we'll have a little bit of fun with that. So. Uh, well, I Be guess... Hazing for new people or what? Mm, no, it's generally like go out to eat somewhere or something. Ah, uh, I see. Nice. So, uh, I guess that's it. So, have a good one. You too.